Well, if we could this evening, with the Lord's help, turn back to that portion of Scripture that we read in the book of Acts, in chapter 4. And if we read again at verse 7. Acts chapter 4 and reading at verse 7. And when they had sent them in the midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. No other name. In the past week, uh, many of the ministers of our denomination have been in Edinburgh. And they've been in Edinburgh for their annual in-service training, in which about a third of all ministers from our denomination in January, they attend the in-service training every year. And each minister is required to attend this in-service training uh, once every three years. And during the in-service training, the ministers, they will, they'll receive theological lectures on certain topics or, or lectures on areas of the pastoral ministry. And its purpose is to encourage fellowship between uh, ministers and to give them a chance to, to share their thoughts and ideas. I've never been before, so I can only tell you what... That's all I know about it. I can only tell you a wee bit about what happens at the in-service training. But when I was reading the other day about... I was reading about uh, the occasion when R.C. Sproul, who's an American theologian and author, he was writing about the occasion when he had to attend his in-service training. And Sproul bluntly says that whenever he attended such things, they were often boring and tedious. Because he says, he says they, were, they were boring and tedious and it was such a long week and it just dragged out. But he says, I'll never forget that one incredible speaker whose topic centred upon Jesus Christ. Because when the well-respected elderly professor, he says, climbed up the steps to the podium to give his lecture, he cleared his throat and then he smiled. And from then on, he spent the next 45 minutes slowly repeating off by heart every name and every title of Jesus Christ. Rock of Ages. And just to quote some, Rock of Ages, Redeemer, King of Kings, Bread of Heaven, Living Water, Son of God, Our Sure Foundation, Good Shepherd, Fairest of Ten Thousand, Saviour, Mediator, our advocate, Alpha and Omega, the stone the builders rejected, beginning and end, wonderful counsellor, friend of sinners, 
great physician, anointed one, healer of broken hearts, Lamb of God, Prince of Peace, blessed hope, our atonement, mighty fortress, our shelter, the narrow gate, the Lord of grace, God of all comfort, word of life, rose of Sharon, lily of the valleys, bright and morning star, glorious Lord, Emmanuel, living word, chief cornerstone, creator, ancient of days, the eternal one, author and finisher of our faith, finisher first and the last, son of man, almighty God, resurrection and the life, the way, the truth and the life, the true vine, the everlasting father, the captain of our salvation. And Sproul says that's just scratching the surface. But at the end of the 45-minute lecture, of all the names and titles of Jesus, he said the audience was reduced to quiet tears. And he says, this is what happens when we focus upon Jesus and all that he has accomplished. Because every name in the Bible is directing our attention towards him. And with that in mind, I thought it would be a fitting conclusion to our study of the names of God to consider this exclusive statement from the book of Acts. Because as you know, over the past few months, we've been considering all the names of Jehovah. And as we've looked at each of these names in the Old Testament, we saw that God is revealing his character. He, he's telling us who he is and what he is like. And as we've progressed through the Old Testament, the Lord has progressively revealed his, his character to us. Because right at the beginning when we started in Genesis, in the book of Genesis, uh, the Lord revealed himself as Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. Then into the book of Exodus we saw that the Lord revealed himself as Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is my banner. And the name Jehovah Rapha. The Lord who heals you. Then into the book of Leviticus the Lord declared himself Jehovah Makadesh. The Lord who sanctifies you. Through the dark period of the judges, the Lord showed himself to be Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. In the words of the prophet Jeremiah, the Lord made himself known as Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord of righteousness. In Psalm 23, we saw him as Jehovah Rohi, the Lord is my shepherd. In Psalm 46, we were reminded that he is Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. Last week, we were on the threshold of that new era in the history of the Lord's people and we were considering Ezekiel's famous last words where we were reminded there of the name Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is there. And as we said on a number of occasions, this progression through Scripture is often what we refer to as progressive revelation where the Lord progressively reveals himself throughout the Old Testament until we come into the New Testament and receive the full and final revelation of God in the person of Jesus Christ. And that's what we have here in this passage in the book of Acts. We have the purpose of God's full and final revelation. We have the reason why God has revealed himself to us on the pages of scripture. Because we are told plainly that God has revealed himself to us in order that we can be saved. 
And in the words of Peter, we are given this exclusive statement. And it cuts through every religion and every other philosophy and every other faith belief that has ever been presented to mankind. Because in this statement, Peter categorically states, there is no other way to be saved except through Jesus Christ. There is salvation in no other, he says. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. No other name apart from the name of Jesus. But Peter's statement was the answer to a question which the Sanhedrin had asked in verse 7 when they asked by what power or by what name have you done this? And the answer which Peter gave, it stresses that in comparison to Jesus Christ, there is no other power and there is no other name. There's no other power and there's no other name. And so by considering Peter's exclusive statement uh, within the context of this passage, they are the two things that I'd like us to consider this evening. That in Jesus Christ, there is no other power and there is no other name. There is no other power and there is no other name. So we look firstly at no other power. In Jesus Christ there is no other power. If you look at verse 10. Peter says, Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And the book of Acts, it's the second volume of a two-part drama about the person and work of Jesus Christ. Whereas, as you know, the Gospel of Luke is the prequel. And the book of Acts is the sequel. And Luke has written this two-volume set in order to retell uh, the story of Jesus in as much detail as possible. But just to summarize Luke's purpose in writing these two volumes, uh, we can say that the Gospel of Luke is all about what Jesus did for his church. And the book of Acts is all about what Jesus is doing in and through his church. And so both these volumes, they're, they're valuable to us because together they both emphasize the passion and the work of Jesus Christ. Uh, but, but by the time we come to chapters 3 and 4 in the book of Acts, Luke has already told us that Jesus was resurrected on the third day and he has now ascended to heaven to sit at the right hand of his Father. And in ascending to heaven, Jesus has commissioned the Holy Spirit to come in power. He came at the day of Pentecost and he has come to bring to remembrance all that Jesus taught. But in chapters 3 and 4, Luke wants to emphasize to us the exclusive name of Jesus. Because the name of Jesus carried with it power and authority. And we've seen that throughout our study of the names of God. That there has been uh, that there's much more in a name than just identification. Because it, there is an expression of the character and conduct of a person. 
But not only that, there is authority in a name. There is status in a name. There is power in a name. And we can see that in the experience of our Prime Minister or, or, or the President. Where they have authority and status and power because of their name. Because of who they are and because of what they do. And nothing can happen without their approval. Nothing can take place without them first putting their name against it. And just like it was throughout history, nothing could take place without the authority of a king, where the king would give his seal of approval, his seal of authority, a seal which was his crest, the crest of of his name. And anything that was done, it was done in the power and in the authority of the name. And that's what we see in this narrative, where everything Peter did and everything Peter sent it was done in the, in the power and in the authority of the name of Jesus. Because when the narrative opens in chapter 3, uh, we find Peter and John going up to the temple to pray. It was the hour of prayer. It was the time to pray. But when it, Peter and John arrived at the temple, they were confronted by this man lying there who was lame from birth. He's just lying at the gate of the temple. And Luke tells us that this man was put at the gate of the temple every day. Every day he was put there in order that he could ask those who were coming to worship if he could ask for a small portion of their collection. But what's interesting is that the gate of the temple was called beautiful. But there was nothing beautiful about this man lying at the beautiful gate. However, what Peter and John did for him was the most beautiful act that could have ever been performed. Because when they encountered this man who was lame from birth, they gave to him the greatest gift and the most beautiful gift that anyone could receive. As he held, because as he held out his hand for money, thinking that Peter was going to give him something, Peter said to him, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And Luke tells us that Peter took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. So he leaping up, he stood and he walked. And he entered into the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And so at the beautiful gate, Peter gave to this man the most beautiful gift, the gift of salvation. And you may ask, how did Peter give, it, give to him the gift of salvation? He gave it to him only in the power and the authority of the name of Jesus Christ. And my friend, what better gift could you receive tonight than the gift of salvation? What better gift is offered to you tonight than the gift of salvation? To have your, your sins forgiven, to have your heart cleansed and your heart changed, and to have peace with God. What better gift is ever going to be offered to you than the free gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ? What better gift? And the gospel says it's all yours. It's all yours. Everything promised in this book is all yours. It's all yours if you just do as this man did. 
Put out your hand to receive it. Put out your hand to receive it. Because the gift of salvation and eternal life, it's offered to us in the authority and the power of the name of Jesus. But what I find so beautiful about this gift of salvation, which this lame man received, is that the authority and power of the name of Jesus was all because of the power of the resurrection. Because when Peter and John walked with this restored man into the temple, they entered into the church building. And Luke tells us that everyone is amazed. Everyone's looking around and seeing this man. They're marveling at what has happened to him. They'd all seen him outside. They all knew him. They had seen him there maybe for years. Every day he's been put there, just lying at the gate of the temple asking for some spare change. And now he's standing before them, leaping and dancing and praising God. But when Peter sees the amazement of everyone in the temple who's, who's gathered for prayer, Peter says to them, Men of Israel, why are you marveling at this? Why do you look so intently at us? As though it was by our own power or by our own godliness that we made this man to walk. And Peter was saying that the miracle its nothing to do with him. And that the man was saved not because of his power. Not because of his works. Not because of his efforts. Not because of his godliness. Not because of his self-righteousness or his religious righteousness. This miracle of salvation, he says, it's nothing to do with me. It's all of God. All of God from beginning to end. Peter says, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, the covenant God, he glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer. You asked for Barabbas. To be given to you. And you killed the prince of life. Whom God raised from the dead. He says. Of which we are witnesses. We are witnesses of it. We are witnesses of the resurrection. And by Peter's statement. He's saying that the source of the miracle. And the power of salvation. It didn't reside in them. The source and the power of salvation. Resided in the God who raises the dead. The power and authority of the name of Jesus was in the power of the resurrection. And my friend, that's where the power of God lies. It lies in the message of a crucified and risen Savior. Because in the power of the resurrection, in the power of, of resurrecting Jesus Christ from the dead, God has displayed his power over sin. God has displayed his authority over sickness. God has displayed his power and authority over death. This resurrected Jesus. He ever lives. And he stands over our last enemy. He stands over him. Stands over death. And he says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? And to this wondrous work of salvation, the church of Jesus Christ says, 
Thanks be to God, who giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And my friend, what we've been reminded here as the church of Jesus Christ is that the power of the gospel is the preaching of a crucified and risen Saviour. Because when Peter preached about the wonder of salvation and the power of the resurrection, we're told at the beginning of chapter 4 that the number of people who heard the word and believed was about 5,000. 5,000 people were saved because they heard and believed in the message of a crucified and risen Saviour. And my friend, that's the, the promise of the gospel. That's the promise of the gospel that if you confess with your mouth the name of the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. That's the key point. If you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the gospel says, then you will be saved. Then you will be saved. If you confess with your mouth the name of Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. Then you will be saved. But what's remarkable about this passage is that when the religious rulers saw the lame man walking, they didn't see it as a cause for rejoicing and praising God. Instead, Luke tells us that they were greatly disturbed that Peter and John had taught the people and that they had preached about Jesus and the resurrection from the dead. They were disturbed that they had preached the power of the resurrection. So much so that the religious leaders had Peter and John arrested. But when they questioned Peter and John the following day, the, the entire Sanhedrin was there. All of the Jewish ruling council was present because we're told in verse 5 of chapter 4, On the next day the rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power, or by what name, did you do this? And when Peter was questioned about what he did to the man who was born lame, and what he had preached about, they questioned his preaching, a preaching about the resurrection of, of Jesus Christ. We're told that Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him... This man is standing before you well. And again in this statement, Peter confesses the power of restoration and the power of salvation and the power of the resurrection in the man born lame. It wasn't his work. It was nothing to do with him. The power solely belonged to God. It belonged to the work of a crucified and risen saviour. But what ought to challenge us is the faith and the boldness Peter had. He had the faith to believe that the man would be healed. He had the boldness to stand up for the name of Jesus. 
And you know, in a day where there are many standing against this crucified and risen Christ, the church needs to be bold and stand up for Jesus. We need to make his name known among the people of our community and our island. The church needs faith like Peter to believe that that we are the only vehicle of God's power. The church needs prayer and praying people to make use of the prayer meeting. The church needs witnesses of of God's saving grace to live out their Christianity in a manner that displays the transforming power of the resurrection. And that when we stand on behalf of Jesus, and when we speak on behalf of Jesus, He is doing the work. Because it's all His work. He does the wondrous works of salvation. He does it all. From beginning to end. And that's what the Apostle Paul came to discover for himself. He had lived his life like a Pharisee. He had boasted in all his self-righteousness and all his self-praise, trying to earn his way to heaven, trying to keep himself religiously pure. But when Paul met with Jesus, all his desires changed. All his hopes changed. The old passed away and all became new. And if we were to ask Paul, what is your one desire as a Christian? I'm sure that Paul would say to us that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. My friend, I hope that we share Paul's desire because as Peter is reminding us here, there is no other power than the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so by considering this exclusive statement of Peter within the context of the passage, we see that the answer which Peter gave to the Jewish council had stressed that in comparison to Jesus, no other power. No other power apart from the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But secondly, we can see that Peter exclusively states there is no other name. There is no other name. No other name, he says. When they had set them in the midst, in verse 7, they inquired, By what power or by what name do you do this? Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers are the people and elders. If we're being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. By him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation, he says, in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And when Peter made this exclusive statement, To all of the Jewish council, everyone who was gathered before him, he was affirming to them that their way of salvation was wrong. Peter was pointing out that all their attempts to get to heaven through their acts of religious righteousness and upholding the laws of God and doing good works, it's all wrong. 
But when Peter made this statement, he wasn't just cutting through the religion of Judaism. He was cutting through every religion and every philosophy and every other faith belief that has ever been presented to mankind. And Peter was saying, they're all wrong. They're all wrong. And we could consider spending time or focusing upon all these religions. We could spend all our time focusing upon philosophies and faith beliefs and all of these things that belong to the world, highlighting all the flaws and all the the contradictions. But what Peter unmistakably says, there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There's no other name apart from the name of Jesus. And for Peter... The name of Jesus was precious. As a disciple of Jesus who had been called to follow Jesus and leave his fishing nets. Peter was one who loved Jesus. Peter loved Jesus because he had seen Jesus move with compassion towards all the multitudes. Peter loved Jesus because he heard the message of salvation preached by Jesus. Peter loved Jesus because when he denied him, denied him with cursing and oaths, Jesus forgave him. Peter loved Jesus because when he thought Jesus had rejected him, Jesus said, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, shepherd my sheep. My friend, Peter loved Jesus because he knew that Jesus loved him first. And as one who loved Jesus, the name of Jesus was precious to Peter. In fact, he was the first to confess the identity of Jesus uh, during his ministry. You remember everyone was asking who Jesus was. They're all claiming he's a prophet. He's like Elijah. He's like John the Baptist. But when Jesus asked Peter, who do you say that I am? Peter confessed, Lord, to whom else shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. And we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter loved Jesus because he knew that there was no other person and that there was no other name by which anyone can be saved except the name of Jesus. And you know, I love it when Luke tells us How the Sanhedrin reacted towards Peter. He says that they saw the boldness of Peter and John. And that even though they were uneducated and untrained men. What stood out for this Jewish council was that when they spoke. They realized that they had been with Jesus. I just love that statement. They realized that they had been with Jesus. What a... Realization to make about anyone. They realized that they had been with Jesus. And I wish that that's what people would say of us. When we leave church. When we leave the prayer meeting. When we leave the meetings where we have been gathering together to worship God. They have been with Jesus. I wish people would say that about us when we're going about our daily routines of work or going to school or or meeting people in the community. They have been with Jesus. They have been with Jesus.
And even though they, they knew that Peter and John had been with Jesus, they still tried to stop them speaking about him. It says in verse 14, But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them, and it's evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. And because the Sanhedrin couldn't explain the miracle, they couldn't deny the miracle, Peter and John were just commanded not to speak in the name of Jesus anymore. But not even that stopped them. Had they listened to the Sanhedrin, we wouldn't be worshipping here tonight. But it was their love for Jesus, and it was their love for his name, that gave Peter and John the boldness to continue proclaiming the exclusive name of Jesus Christ. And likewise, what others say, it should never stop us from speaking about Jesus. What people think, all oh, what people think, the greatest barrier, what people think should never cause us to be ashamed of Jesus and remain silent when we ought to speak. Worrying about other people should never hold us back from coming out on the side of Jesus and, and professing his name. Because as it was with Peter and John, our love for Jesus and Jesus' love for us, it ought to make us want to speak out for him and live our lives for him and live our lives for his glory. My friend, the name of Jesus ought to be precious to us. It, not, it ought to be so sacred to us, so precious to us, because in the name of Jesus we ought to see that there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. No other name. And looking at this exclusive statement from Peter, if you're in here tonight and you're still unconverted, still living without Christ, still living without the hope of salvation, then this text cannot be any clearer to you. You cannot deny its clarity. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There is salvation in no one else. And my friend, this text tells you all you need to know. It tells you that there is only one name that you can call upon. No other name will do. No other name will save you. No other name can cleanse you. No other name can make you a Christian. No other name can transform your life apart from the name of Jesus. My friend, you need to call upon the name of Jesus. You need to call upon the name of Jesus. And you know, I cannot stress to you enough the solemnity and the urgency of this message. I can't stress to you enough because having attended funeral after funeral after funeral in this past month, all I can say to you is there is but one step 
between us and death. One step. And we are being reminded again and again, life is uncertain. Death is sure. Sin is the cause. Christ is the cure. And whether we put it to the back of our minds or ignore it altogether, we have been constantly reminded as a community that we are all going to our long home. We are all going towards the grave. And we are all going and travelling towards that great eternity. And for many of us, life is going far too fast. And death is drawing nearer all the time. Now, you know, just thinking about it, death must be the loneliest experience that we will ever face. Because everyone around us will never know what we're going through. And we have to face it alone. Nobody will understand how we feel. No one one around us will understand what we're going through. And if we haven't done so already, it's a death that we will come to the realization that we can't take anything with us. And in the end, there will be nothing left but death. There will be no other name to call out to to save us. We can't call upon anyone to save us. We can't call upon our wife to save us. We can't call upon our husband to save us. We can't call upon our godly parents to save us. We can't call upon our elders to save us. We can't call upon our minister to save us because there is no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. No other name. You look to the thief of the cross, my friend. You look at the thief on the cross and remember him. Remember him because you may be like him one day. And I hope and pray you aren't. But when the thief on the cross faced the loneliness of death, he had spent his life living for the pleasures of the world and seeking the riches that will only fade away and not last. But it was at Calvary. Of all places, it was at Calvary that he came to see that the only name he could call upon was the name of Jesus. And he did. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. The thief on the cross was saved. Even in the eleventh hour of his life, he was saved. And he was saved because the promise was, and it will always be, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But the other thief, the other thief was lost because he refused to call upon the name of Jesus. Even in his dying breaths, he refused to call upon the name of Jesus. And he blasphemed all the way into hell. All the way. He had the opportunity. He had the chance. But he didn't take it. And Peter is reminding us, there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. 
My friend, we must be saved. We must be saved. We must be saved. And the only way we can be saved is faith in the name of Jesus. That's what transformed the man who was lame from birth. Peter said to them, to him, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And when Peter was explaining to the people in the temple what had happened, he said that the man had been made whole through faith in his name. Faith in the name of Jesus, whom God raised from the dead. My friend, in order to be saved, you must call upon the name of Jesus. But if you refuse to call upon him in this life, I assure you, you will call upon him in the next. Because that is the promise of Scripture. That since God has highly exalted Jesus, says Paul, by raising him from the dead, he has given to him a name which is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so, my friend, at the appearing of Jesus Christ on the last day, those in heaven, those who are still on earth, and those who are in hell, we will all bow. We will all bow. Wherever we are to be found on the day of judgment, we will all bow. And we will all confess the name of Jesus. And we will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. My friend if you do not call upon the name of Jesus. To be saved from hell. Then you will be calling upon the name of Jesus. When you are in hell. You remember the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man in hell. Looked up and he was calling. To be taken out of the tormenting flame. If you don't call upon the name of Jesus to be saved from hell. Then you'll be calling upon the name of Jesus when you are in hell. And I can't make it any clearer to you than that. And I can't put it any better than the way the Bible puts it. There is salvation in no other. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And here we are again. At the end of yet another Lord's Day evening. Sitting under the sound of the gospel. And you know Throughout any given week, I will think about all of you. And while I'm studying, I'll pray for you. And wonder what I'll say to you. Because I don't know what holds you back. I don't know what stops you. I don't know what keeps you in the place that you have been sitting all your life. I don't know what hang-ups you may have. But what I do know, and what I want you to know, is that the name of Jesus is precious. 
And the name of Jesus is mighty to save. But in order for you to be saved, you have to call upon his name. The promise is, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And this is for you, my friend. Don't think it's for someone else. Don't think it's addressed to someone else. It's addressed to you. Because you must be saved. You must be saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In Jesus, there is salvation in no other. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. My friend, make sure it's his name you call out to as you go to your bed tonight. May the Lord bless these thoughts to us. Let us pray. O Lord, our gracious God, we give thanks to thee for the name of Jesus. We bless thee, Lord, for the reminder of the psalmist that he says his name shall endure and last like the sun. And Lord, we give thanks for that great opportunity that the way of salvation is open for us because of a crucified and a risen Saviour. Help us then to call upon his name. For, O Lord, thy promise is that he who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, bless us then, we pray. Keep us in the hollow of thine own hand. Oh, keep us on mercy's ground, we plead. For we know, Lord, and we have seen it often, that we are all been taken from the scene of time into eternity. But help us, Lord, to seek thee while thou art to be found, and to call upon thee while thou art near. Bless us then, we pray, and do us good, for Jesus' sake. Amen. <coughs> we shall conclude by singing in the words of Psalm 72. Psalm 72, that's page 314 in the Blue Book, the Scottish Psalter. Singing from verse 17 down to the end of the psalm. And of course the psalmist is focusing upon the preciousness of the name of God. It is that name which brings salvation. His name forever shall endure, last like the sun it shall. Men shall be blessed in him and blessed. All nations shall him call. Now blessed be the Lord our God, the God of Israel. For he alone doth wondrous works and glory that excel. And blessed be his glorious name to all eternity. The whole earth let his glory fill. Amen. So let it be. These verses to God's praise. His name
The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forevermore. Amen.